the expression four-wheel drive has morphed into the contraction SUV. An SUV could be anything from a baby two-wheel drive, in fact driving the front wheels, right up to a genuine rugged off-road vehicle. Buying an SUV might have little to do with off-road driving. What used to be rugged vehicles with Spartan truck-like comfort are now getting many bells and whistles that you once associated only with upmarket sedans. This week we have been driving the top end of the market in terms of size, cost and luxury features. The Toyota Land Cruiser Sahara. It'll cost you nearly $130,000 to get it on the road. So is it for the road or for the track or does it do both? Rob Fraser from osroma.com.au knows all about these types of vehicles and he joins us on the line now. Rob, thanks very much for your time. G'day, David. You're welcome. It's got a lot of luxury, this car, but is it competent off-road? Is it, is it a bit of each? It definitely is a bit of each. It, its basic underpinnings is the Land Cruiser 200 vehicle, so it, it is exceptionally competent off-road and exceptionally competent at towing. It just happens to have a large amount of luxury items thrown in there as well. So let's look at some of the luxury. Uh, what sort of things do you get? I mean, obviously electric seats and steering wheels and things, but uh, a few other features as well? Even down to little things like heated and ventilated seats for the front passengers. You know, the, the middle row of passengers have an entertainment system each on the back of the headrest of the front seats. The tailgate is automatic opening and closing. The rear seats are automatic folders. You know, push of a button and they fold up automatically for you. It's almost as if they've put everything they could possibly think of in terms of making life easier into this vehicle. It's got a sunroof, of course, with a shade. It's even got nice little touches like double visors where you can swing one visor around and block out the sun coming in from the side window and still have one stopping sun coming in from the front. It, it is a very, very comfortable car. Uh, two engines, I believe. The two options are the, the V8 petrol and the V8 diesel. Both of them are good engines, although, to be honest, my pick would be the V8 diesel. That is an absolute beautiful motor that Toyota have developed for this Land Cruiser. It provides plenty of power, and it tor- its torque comes in down low at about 1,600 revs. We're talking about a big car, w- well over 2,500 kilograms, and so fuel consumption would be rather high. I think the diesel's rated at 9.5, but, gee, you'd be lucky to get that, wouldn't you? Well, surprisingly enough, because it will cruise on the open road at such low revs and its maximum torque, you actually do get really good economy. And even towing, you get good economy with the diesel. The petrol is another matter. You really do have to drive it carefully to get any sort of reasonable economy out of it. But the diesel will, around town, it is powerful. And if you do sort of have a heavy right foot, it will chew through the fuel a little bit, but uh, I would pick the diesel every day of the week over the petrol. Yeah, I drove the petrol one and uh, we were getting some pretty high uh, consumption figures, but again, you would expect that. Driving it on the road, a gentle giant, it's not too bad? It's actually surprising. that The engineers have done a really good job of making it feel a lot smaller than it actually is. As you said earlier, David, this is a vehicle that's somewhere around 2.7, 2.8 tonnes and over five metres in length, and yet when you're driving it, it certainly doesn't feel like that. It feels a lot more nimble and a lot lighter than it actually is. It wallows a bit. I mean, it's clearly not sports car handling, but you'd expect that from something, not the least of which is that it's comfortable. The thing you've said there is absolutely spot on. It's not a sports car. It is a fit-for-purpose car, 
and that is its basic underpinnings is an off-road vehicle. And the compromise you need in a suspension package to have good on-road handling and still have comfortable off-road handling with the wheel articulation and all that sort of stuff that you require is a, is a difficult process. And I think the Sahara particularly has probably done one of the best jobs of, of balancing that compromise of any of those large four-wheel drives. Turning circle, not its strength. In fact, it almost doesn't have one. It's... <laughs> You've really got to have room to get it around, haven't you? Yeah, you really notice how big this car is. The reverse of what we were saying earlier, how big it is when you're in a tight car park, and especially when you're trying to park next to a pole and somebody's on the line on the other side. That's That tests your skills a lot, actually. And even clearance, two-metre clearance when you go to the shopping car park. You make it, but you feel awfully close. A good visibility all around it too, I think, and comfortable on the long haul. It's good. Now, off-road, I've got to say about this, is that it does have reasonably heavy-duty tyres. There's a lot of SUVs out there that really have low-profile sedan-type tyres. This has the more genuine four-wheel drive, off-roader type of tyre uh, standard. And I think that, again, comes back to its underpinnings. It's designed to be used off-road. So it does have the high-profile, thicker-tread-type tyres that give it an all-terrain-type scenario. Uh, which are really good for the dirt roads and for the forest trails and for the sand, etc. Without being too loud or noisy on-road, a lot of the off-road tyres are. A couple of other serious four-wheel drive capabilities and the systems, crawl control and things? If you can think of something that's going to make four-wheel drive easier, the Sahara has it. It raises as low as the suspension. It's got four-wheel drive. It's got diff lock in the rear. And it's also got a, a surround camera system that you can actually switch on and have a look at where your front wheels are, your rear wheels are, what's in front of you, what's behind you. It's gimmicky, but off-road, it really works because, again, it is a big vehicle, and although they have redesigned it to give a lot more visibility, you still are, in some cases, flying blind. And the cameras do work, and they work well. It took a little bit getting used to, and a little bit to find the actual switch, which was down <laughs> behind the steering wheel. Did you find that? Yes, yeah, there's a lot of switches, and it takes a while to uh, to get used to it. I think if you were driving it all day, every day, you'd become a lot more familiar with it, obviously. Our one-week unfamiliarity syndrome is comes to the fore here, where we only have a car for a short time. Well, can I test your ability, then, on the dashboard, there are obvious things like the ECO, and of course that means economy, is it? Yep. BSM? Um, blind spot indicator, blind spot monitor, so it tells you if there's a vehicle coming up beside you. Again, a very handy feature if you not don't have your, uh, your mirrors set correctly. RCTA? Um, actually, I have not found out what that stands for. <laughs> I really don't know. So that's one of those things that I'm, I said to myself after I drive the vehicle, I must work out what that is. I've got no idea. That one stumped me, actually. Well, there's also another one we can't work out, RSCA, not RSPCA, but RSCA. I've, I'm not sure if it's a dog feature, but maybe <laughs> maybe I need to. Maybe there needs to be a list of acronyms and what they mean uh, in going there. In the same category, absolutely, yes. The controls. I hopped in the car and there was a button that said turn the fan off and it was it was going very hard and so I, I just wanted to turn it off until I sort of settled in. Uh, but then I had to try and work out how to turn it on and there was no button to do it. In fact, you had to go to the screen or no, press the climate button then go to the screen, then go to the the speed for the fan. 
I found that just a little bit uh, difficult. No privacy screen in the boot luggage area and no front parking sensors, I thought, was just a little bit limited. The only other thing, too, was the third row of seats. There wasn't a footwell, really. They folded down, took up a lot of space, even when they were folded back. If you were a person sitting in that third row of seats, having legs may be a disadvantage. <laughs> Absolutely, unless you like your knees up around your chin. <laughs> and, and for anyone that is serious about using the luggage capability of this vehicle for five, four or five people, you would pull those seats out immediately. It's, it's that and the spare wheel underneath the rear are two design faults, I believe, that the Land Cruiser actually has. And I think, I'm hoping that in the next iteration of it, they'll change those as they did in the Prado. What are the competitors to this? Even Toyota's own Lexus LX, I guess, would be part of that. It would be. And and we actually just drove the Lexus LX 570 last week and took it back. And it only comes in petrol, which I believe is a disadvantage. Yeah. And it does have a few more gimmicky items on it. But having sort of driven them both fairly close together, I actually would probably choose the Sahara myself. It's uh, a good twenty or $30,000 cheaper, and you can't really see the difference between the two. And again, I would take the diesel over the petrol. It's certainly a case of surprisingly not having a diesel option in such a big four-wheel drive. They seem to be the, the choice of the great majority of people if they're going for such a large car. True. Other competitors are the Nissan Patrol, but again, it only comes in a V8 petrol and it is exceptionally heavy on fuel usage. And the Mercedes GL, the large seven-seat wagon from Mercedes, which is an underrated off-road vehicle, actually. It it is quite capable off-road, although rarely sees anything more than the dirt driving up to the farm on the weekend, I think. Just finally, the looks of the Toyota. So it hasn't changed much since the last time. It's probably pretty conservative in it, but then again, getting something like that to look good would be rather hard. I actually like the looks of the new vehicle. Again, to me, it it looks a lot smaller on the outside than it is on the inside. I do like the bonnet shape that it has. And one important thing for me being an avid off-roader is that the removed of those bulbous lights to the front and back that stuck out from the side, they were just a nightmare off-road and very expensive to replace if you actually hit something with them. It's a much more streamlined, sleek look now, which is good. Oh, that's that's very clever. You could tag something with the lights if they were the old model sticking out. David, unfortunately, I have tagged something with the lights and they're sticking out. That speaks the voice of experience. Rob, it's lovely to talk to you. We've covered some very nice practical things as well. Thanks very much for your time. David, good to talk to you. Thank you. Rob Fraser from the website Osroma. If you want to know anything about RV vehicles, it's certainly a place to go, osroma.com.au. And we were talking there about the Toyota Land Cruiser Sahara, a big, expensive 130000 to get it on the road, just a bit under perhaps, but it is nonetheless one that combines both luxury and off-road capability.